This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and we're temping our way into episode number 33. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. This week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is, surprisingly, it's not exactly birth and baby, but it's related, so I guess you can understand that. Uh, But we're going to talk about getting pregnant, and specifically about how to track your fertility. I love this topic because I love everything from, oh, I just, I love how a girl's body matures into womanhood and the the beauty of that, and I love how a woman's cycle allows her to become pregnant. I love how intricately that works. I love how that continues working and there's inherent wisdom in the body to grow a baby then of course to birth that baby to nurse that baby and then to continue to mother that child throughout childhood and into that child's adulthood it's just it's beautiful there are so many things wrapped up in that continuum it's obviously not all just physical there's a lot of mental and emotional stuff going on in there there's a lot of personal development and growth wrapped up in that but it's all just a beautiful cycle and i really appreciate the inherent beauty of it and i think that well first of all i think that trying to conceive for a lot of couples is an exciting time and a fun time for some it can go on a long time and it can become stressful For others, it's stressful until they understand that a woman's period is not just a random but regular kind of thing. I mean, you don't just get a period once a month and then that's because you get a period once a month. There's actually a whole cycle going on in there. I was watching something the other day. I think it was on Kickstarter. It might have been Indiegogo. But it was one of those fundraising sites. If you don't know what they are, their Kickstarter is a site where where hopefuls can post about a creative project that they have. Or, um, I mean, it can be anything from software to documentaries to to all kinds of things. But they can post about their project that they need funding for, and then then they can try and get backers who will provide the funding. They call it crowdsourcing their funding. And I think it was on Kickstarter, but I was watching a a Kickstarter video for a documentary that was trying to get funding. And it was essentially a documentary about fertility so that they could create a documentary that would educate women about their, and men, but about the female cycle. And they were asking in, they always have a little video at the top of the Kickstarter, which is their, their video where they, uh, where they kind of promote whatever their project is. And in the video, they were showing clips where they were interviewing people in the city and they were just stopping people on the road and asking them, do you know how often you can get pregnant during the course of a normal cycle? And so many people just didn't know. There were so many people who just guessed. A lot of people said, oh, you know, all month long. But nobody really knew. And the truth is, and they pointed it out on the video, 
the truth is is that you have two days a month that you can get pregnant the day that you ovulate um, and then just a little while after that and there's a window they say there's a window of about seven days around that ovulation so about three days three and a half days on either side of ovulation um, or you know leading up to ovulation excuse me but about seven days because of how long sperm can live so sperm generally can live three to four days and some exceptional ones five to seven days but so that creates a window just because if ovulation happens while there are sperm waiting then those little fellows are gonna rush for the egg so but but the reality is is for most of a woman's cycle she can't get pregnant and most people don't know that and if you don't know that I mean there's nothing bad about that we're just we're not really taught about that or we're taught that a, a girl has a period once a month because the lining of her uterus built up in the anticipation of a baby and then no baby happens so it sloughs off the side of the uterus and then she bleeds but that's about the extent of what we're given so charting your cycles even if you're not trying to conceive it can be very informational for you and very empowering for you and if you are trying to conceive it can help you make sure that you're timing love making for when you want to get a baby there are many 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 uh, many resources on charting your cycles so I will I will list many in the show notes some of the some of the greatest ones are taking charge of your fertility by Tony Weschler that is the Bible really on on getting empowered about your own cycle and there are others um, Oh, natural family planning I think is what it's called by John and Sheila Kipley make sure that you get one that's by them I think there might be a newer edition that's not as good make sure you get the one by the Kipleys it's from a Catholic perspective but it's really well written I really like both of those books uh, Tony Weschler's is um, doesn't have any anything religious in it it's all just factual so if you feel more comfortable with that you can grab that one but the natural family planning one is really good too and there are others honoring our cycles is another good one that one's a nice one because it talks about how food can impact your cycles and I would encourage you to get that one also if this is something that you're wanting to teach to a young woman in your life maybe your your daughter in her teen years or as she's getting ready for her menses to begin then honoring our cycles is um, it's a a good basic introduction very clear plain language and well written so it's a good one to go go to with younger girls or if you just want something that's thinner because Tony's book is very thick and the natural family planning book is very thick honoring our cycles is very thin so if it feels overwhelming to you that might be a good book to start with I'm sorry if I sound a little bit stuffy here because I've had a little bit of a cold but I'm getting over it now you can track what's going on with your cycle and get to know your fertility cycles typically the textbook cycle is 28 days long what happens during that 28 days is you have a period to start your cycle and that's what that's what the medical world considers the start of the cycle to be 
And that's what I really always learned about, though I've heard it discussed recently that really we should consider the start of the cycle ovulation. But if you're thinking from a medical perspective or if you're charting to show your chart to your doctor or if you're using charting software, which I'll talk about more in a bit, then it's going to consider your period the start of each cycle. So your period begins and so that begins a new cycle. And a textbook cycle would be 28 days. So it would last 28 days starting from the first day of your period. So if you have a three-day period, that stays one, two, and three. If you have a five-day period, it stays one, two, three, four, and five of your cycle and so forth like that. Once your periods and, and what you learned in health class is true. Your period happens because there was no pregnancy or not a viable pregnancy and everything that built up in the uterus to support a pregnancy sloths off and your period happens as that is coming slothed off and the period is not generally heavy usually only a few ounces a month if you're experiencing really heavy periods I would encourage you to look into that but that's beyond the scope of this particular episode of our podcast so we'll move forward from there so after that is done the period is done things begin happening again the uterus begins to build up lining in the hopes of another chance at conception. There are all kinds of hormones that are working in your body to make this happen during your cycle. And so some of the key players are luteinizing hormone, FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone, um, gonadotropin-releasing gonad hormone, they're all a mouthful. But all these hormones work together uh, in kind of an instrumental way and they do different things throughout this early part of your cycle. But it's all working on building up the lining of the uterus and then as you could probably tell just from the name of them like follicle stimulating hormone helps to prepare the, the follicle to release an egg. And of course at this time estrogen and progesterone are also playing a part but the hormone levels are they're actually pretty low during the early part of your cycle all of your hormone levels are pretty low and then as it starts to get closer to the time when your body's going to ovulate which is when it releases the egg the hormone levels start rising it begins with estrogen starting to rise uh, shortly after your period depending on how long your cycles normally are and when you normally ovulate. So going back to our textbook woman who has 28 day cycles, your estrogen levels would begin to rise um, and you would expect an ovulation around day 14. So your estrogen levels would begin to rise several days before that point. Then estrogen helps trigger everything else to happen. And so follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone begin to rise just before ovulation. Luteinizing hormone is the hormone that an ovulation predictor kit looks for. If you're using an OPK is the way that we abbreviate that or an ovulation test. If you're using that it's looking for luteinizing hormone. Those hormones spike just before ovulation and then during ovulation an egg is released. Now let's backtrack for a minute and talk about fertility signs because this is a podcast that helps you track fertility signs. Now you can track fertility signs, the hormones directly, by using an ovulation test. And if you're having infertility treatments or you're seeing a doctor, 
they can test these things at the office. If you're testing at home, you'll be using urine. But how can you track your fertility signs if, uh, even if you're not using one of these tests? Or how can you do it along with using one of these tests? Well, you do this by charting your cycles. So you would get out a chart and you would begin it as soon as your period began. And you would write down each day that you had your period. And then after your period, you would begin watching for other signs. One of the first ones that you look for, or one of the things that you look for, is cervical fluid, also called cervical mucus, or fertile fluid, for what it becomes right before ovulation. All of these hormones help those fluids build up, and at first it's not at all mucus-like. It's, it's more like the earliest can be really kind of tacky, and you would test this it's actually fluid that the cervix lets out, which is the gateway through which the sperm need to go. And the point of the cervical fluid is either to kind of keep sperm out or to encourage sperm in when you're about to ovulate and because they want to help you get pregnant. Or the cervical <laughs> cervix wants to help you get pregnant at that point. But the cervical fluid, initially you might be very dry. You don't notice any cervical fluid. But then, say, when you go to wipe in the bathroom or just when you're walking around, or you may experience a sensation on your underwear where they feel damp and you will feel a progression and it, this is something where watching your own cycles really helps because different women have a different progression but you may be dry and then you'll notice a little bit more moisture the cervical fluid will look kind of creamy or milky building up to that point and then and some women have where it's really kind of tacky first and then it builds up to creamy, milky, lotiony is another way that I've heard it described. And then it builds up to the most fertile quality mucus, which is usually very clear or close to clear. It's very stretchy. It's much more mucus-like. This fertile fluid is sometimes called egg white cervical mucus because it's similar in consistency to egg whites and that is super super fertile fluids so if you're experiencing that buildup of cervical fluids then you're experiencing that along with the buildup of your hormones so that is a visible way that you see this and whatever charting system you use you would chart uh, you would chart the cervical fluid. So you might have a box and on your chart for cervical fluid and you would fill in a little bit of it for, uh, for just a little bit of that maybe tacky. And then you would fill it in halfway if you were experiencing the milky or the lotiony. And then fill it in all the way if you were noticing uh, the egg white consistency or if it was very watery. Uh, we're going to talk about in the next podcast episode how breastfeeding impacts fertility. And breastfeeding can really mess with this cervical fluid pattern. So uh, a woman who's breastfeeding or a woman who's having trouble getting pregnant may never get to that fertile fluid or she may only have very watery fertile fluid. So tracking your fertility signs can be very helpful for helping you know what's going on and helping you know that ovulation is getting close. Many women find that as soon as they ovulate, boom, the cervical fluid is gone. It's just dried up. Some women it's creamy, kind of tapers off, but many women it's just gone. And then many women find that in the second phase of their cycle after ovulation, this is called the luteal phase, 
and as their period is getting close, they get a little bit of creamy buildup again right before their period starts. So this cervical fluid is a good way to know where you are in your cycle. So the hormones build up, the cervical fluid builds up, and then ovulation occurs. And it's at this point that you can get pregnant. Within the, the 24 hours, 30, not even 36 hours really, but you know, 24 to 36 hours surrounding ovulation, that's the point at which you can get pregnant. And that fertile cervical fluid that we just talked about is really nourishing to sperm. So it helps the sperm swim up through the cervix and up through the uterus into the fallopian tubes, which is where the egg is floating down. And that's actually where fertilization or conception occurs, is in the fallopian tube. And the egg then moves down into the uterus and burrows into the waiting uterine lining. At this point in your cycle, progesterone begins to surge. And progesterone is the hormone in your cycle that helps to sustain a pregnancy. And it's also the hormone that determines the length of this second part of your cycle, or really it's the third part of your cycle if you consider menstruation and then that midpoint of your cycle where ovulation is going to occur. And then the luteal phase uh, of your cycle comes next. And progesterone is the top hormone at that point because it's what helps to sustain pregnancy and it's what tells the the follicle that the uh, that the ovum which is the egg was released from it tells it what to do afterwards if you've gotten pregnant it signals for it to keep going and if you haven't gotten pregnant then that that um, that follicle shrivels up and next month everything else starts ripening over again but if you get pregnant that follicle c continues to work and release some hormones that help to sustain your pregnancy but the the luteal phase is generally characterized by very little cervical fluid if any at all the big change that happens in this phase is with your temperature this is another aspect of charting your fertility your temperature during the early part of your cycle while you're on your period and then while all these hormones are building up to ovulation your temperature tends to stay at a pretty steady place and low when I say temperature I'm talking about the saw body temperature this is the temperature that you take first thing in the morning before you've gotten up and started your day so you would always you'd set your alarm and you would always pop the thermometer into your mouth wait a few seconds for it to beep and then record your temperature and a basal temperature is is generally a little bit more sensitive than a normal one so you can order one online or you can you can go to most drugstores and get one too but you just keep it on your nightstand or uh, on your headboard if you've got a headboard with shelves and you use it every morning then you plot your temperatures on a little graph that's typically integrated with your chart your temperatures will stay fairly level throughout the first half of your cycle. When you ovulate, your temperatures jump. Now, it's, it's not a big jump. It's generally a degree or less. It's generally only a few tenths of a degree. Five tenths of a degree or so is the standard. So we're not talking about a huge amount, and it wouldn't really be perceptible if you weren't paying attention. But if you're plotting it on a chart, you will see 
that jump that indicates that ovulation has happened. And then your temperature will stay high throughout your luteal phase. So they call it a thermal shift. Thermal because it's temperature hot getting up there. And you'll see on your chart where you have before ovulation and then you see the little jump and then a second level above ovulation. Some women who are pregnant get what's called a triphasic chart, which after the baby implants, the temperature jumps again, and there's the third level, and that's, that's a very good sign of pregnancy, and it makes moms who are trying to conceive happy to see a triphasic chart, but that doesn't always happen during pregnancy, so if that doesn't happen to you, don't worry. You've got two things on your chart now. You're charting cervical fluid. That tends to happen before ovulation. Then temperature tends to jump after ovulation. Another sign you can chart is the actual feel and position of your cervix. And many charting softwares include a place for this. Because the cervix gets lower, softer, more open around ovulation than it's higher, firmer, and closed when you're not close to ovulation. That's another sign that you may want to chart if you feel comfortable with that. And then, of course, if you're doing anything like ovulation tests, you want to chart those. Most charts have a place for you to include things like medication, for you to include something like a night where you were up all night or where you got up late in the morning and you missed your temperature, or if you were sick. You want to note those kind of things on your chart because they can change things. If you've had a couple of glasses of wine or something the night before, or if you have a fever or if your partner has a fever and you're in bed with them or your baby has a fever and you're still in bed with your baby, then those sorts of things can cause an elevated temperature that otherwise wouldn't be elevated. So those are things that you note on the chart. But when your period is about to come again, so let's say that you either didn't conceive or sometimes if there's a problem with the luteal phase, and this is a place where charting is really good, where the luteal phase is too short, there's just not the progesterone surge that there needs to be. The progesterone levels drop, your temperature drops, and generally the day that your temperature drops back below the cover line, which is that line that's how the tents above your pre-ovulation temperature, when your temperature dives back below that line, that's the day that your period will start again. So you're able to neatly chart your fertility cycles on a chart. And like I said, sometimes the problem isn't with getting pregnant. You're getting pregnant, but your body is unable to sustain a pregnancy. And in that case, your luteal phase may be too short. So you really need to have a luteal phase that's around 11 or 12 days to sustain a pregnancy. And if it's too short, if you see that that time period between ovulation and your period starting is only six days or eight days, then it's a good time to look at what's going on. And, and we're going to talk about some things in another podcast episode coming up in a few weeks here about some things to look for if you're having trouble getting pregnant. But things you can look at are nutrition, how much fat that you're getting, even the lighting in the room that you're in. And those sorts of things can help you overcome a luteal phase defect. If you're having trouble getting pregnant and charting your cycles, you can take your charts to your doctor or your nurse midwife or your midwife who's helping you to evaluate what's going on with your fertility. You can use charting to help avoid pregnancy. That's called natural family planning or fertility awareness method different names depending on if you're looking at it from a religious perspective or not, but it's the same system. 
and it can help you know when you should avoid pregnancy. Of course, one problem with that is another sign that you're really fertile is that you may be feeling more amorous and much more interested in lovemaking and attention like that. That's often a good sign that it's around ovulation. And so the fertility awareness method or NFP ask you to abstain or the fertility awareness method is okay with using barrier method at that time. Uh, but your chart can clue you into all of these things. And many women find other benefits from charting too. Like they notice certain points in their cycle where they struggle, for instance, with PMS symptoms, which again can be looked into, uh, nutrition and other therapies that might help with that. Or they may notice that they are able to do particularly intense and creative work during parts of their cycle. Some women, once their period is started, PMS symptoms subside and they find that they're able to hyperfocus a bit and work with more intensity at that time. It's, other women find or have a combination of that and find that it is a time of renewal, a feeling of renewal for them. And then if you're getting close to menopause, your charts can help clue you in that things like that are happening and help you figure out what points of your cycle that might be happening with. Of course, we talked about the textbook woman at the beginning. She has a 28-day cycle. She ovulates around day 14. So she has a perfect little period and then a perfect little luteal phase. And the truth is, is that real women are not always like her. I, for instance, tend to have very short cycles when I'm cycling regularly of only about 26 days. And I tend to ovulate very early in my cycle, around day 11 or 12 or occasionally 13. I have also conceived babies during breastfeeding cycles, which have been really long, and I ovulated really late. So it's, it's a toss-up. There are women who have shorter cycles. There are women who have long cycles. There are women who have fertility issues that cause their cycles to be off. And charting can give a good clue into all of this. So I encourage you to observe those fertility signs. And even if you don't choose to chart, you can still be aware of things like cervical fluid. You won't know the temperature unless you choose to do that. But you can be aware of things like your cervical fluid and aware of the ebb and flow of your feelings during your cycle. And that can be empowering because it can help you to understand more about what's going on and it can help you in your journey to personal development to figure out when is a time to be working intensely on projects. When is a time to be overcoming the fact that you may feel grumpy and crampy, but you can still uh, you can still be strong and honor that time in your cycle while also being the woman that you want to be. So it's really it's really empowering. I charted on paper for a while, but quickly found that I enjoyed charting on the computer because it it calculates the cover line for you. Uh, it, it can do a, a whole bunch of different things. I've charted through the conceptions of my last three children and the due date that was calculated based on ovulation date by my charting cycle has been pretty much dead accurate for all three of those babies. I'm not going to say that you'll always get that result, but it calculates based on ovulation, not last menstrual period. So it's going by when you ovulated and therefore it's going to give you a very accurate due date. It also lets you note medications. It takes into account if you've used OPKs, if you're using a fertility monitor like the Clear Blue monitor. Uh, and another thing that a lot of women like is that you can share your chart with other women. If you're participating in a form where you're trying to conceive or you're trying to regulate your cycles, 
then it can be fun to be able to share your chart. Or if you're confused by your chart, you can upload it or you can share it and say, hey, what's going on with this? Can you help me figure out what's going on with this? Or can you help me figure out if the charting software did something wrong? So that can be, those can all be good things. And you can also see things like, I had a cycle where I didn't ovulate because that happens. It's called an anovulatory cycle. And your charting software can help you pick up on all of that. I use the Taking Charge of Your Fertility software, which is also called Ovusoft. And I'll link to that in the show notes. I've used that now for, I think, about eight years through three pregnancies. And I really like it. So that's my top recommendation just because I've used it personally. There are also online charting systems, and I like Obisoft because it's actually on my computer, but I can upload the chart. If I want to upload the chart to my chart gallery and ask questions about it, I can do that. So to me, I like that it's nice and private on my computer, and it's, it's accessible without even having to get on the internet, but I can also upload my charts. Uh, then there are internet-only solutions like Fertility Friend is a really popular one that a lot of women like. They have a subscription-based service. Obisoft, you buy the software one time and then you use it. Fertility Friend has a subscription-based service, and that also comes with access to all their forums, the ability to share your charts, uh, and all kinds of things like that. So there are different services out there similar to those. I'll see if I can find a few more to list in the show notes. Uh, and they really do make charting a lot easier, and I encourage you to take a look at those, especially if you're trying to conceive. Our next podcast episode is going to talk about breastfeeding and how that can impact your fertility because I know that a lot of you listening are probably listening with interest because you're nursing a baby and you either want to get pregnant and you haven't had periods or you may want to be doing a little bit of spacing and you're wondering how you can do that or you're just wondering what's going on with your body since you're nursing this baby. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and you found it at least interesting to know just how beautifully your body is designed and how it's designed to cycle. If you have any questions or comments, I love hearing those. You can email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com anytime. Visit uh, the website, naturalbirthandbabycare.com for a lot of articles. You can also visit the sister site, which is getting hyphenpregnant.com. So gettingpregnant.com with a hyphen, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Between it, that's NBBC's sister site. So you can enjoy that one. There's a lot of in-depth information on charting there. And, uh, and if you're preparing for your baby's birth, remember always, I can't forget to share it. I've got a great setup going at Trust Birth 101 right now where you can get the free Trust Birth, Trust Baby Workshop that comes with a workbook, a guide to natural birth, and the Trust Birth MP3. And you also get our mini birthing class lessons. So that's a little plug for the birth and baby end of things. And with that, I will end this podcast. And in the next episode next week, we'll talk a little bit about breastfeeding issues. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.